Pastor's Cut podcast for the week of April 9th, 2023, Easter Sunday. And uh, we are actually recording this early before Easter. And before hitting uh, record, we were talking about or discussing our favorite Easter traditions, what we did growing up, or as we've had our own kids, what are some of the Easter traditions that we, uh, that we do. So uh, Brad was the first one to go, oh yeah, everyone has an Easter tradition. So I guess you've got one off the top of the dome. You I ready? have a huge one in my mind. Uh, my, my mom has eight, no, my mom has seven brothers and sisters. My dad had seven or eight, eight, and they all had three or four kids. So all of us would always gather at my Uncle Dick's house and we would hunt Easter eggs and the old people now that I'm one of them, people my age would go out and hide eggs. And I don't mean just like a couple. I mean hundreds of Easter eggs. It was a prize egg. Would you say a plethora? A plethora of eggs. You could say that, yes. A myriad? A myriad. A myriad, yes. Some Um, good words there. Yeah. So anyway, we would, and they would hide them in places that were increasingly dangerous. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, you'd have to climb this, you know, seven, you know, 17 foot tall birdhouse to get to an egg on the top. Well, you know. out on the farm, kind of yeah. laid back. Yeah. We had a blast though. It was very adventurous. It was a five acre yard. So it was, it was, it was a, well, it was as, a lot of fun. As John Denver sang so many years ago, there ain't nothing a country boy that he can't hack. So That's the truth. You, okay, so we got Brad's. Mar- Marissa, what, what's your famous Easter tradition? Well, we also, Easter eggs. I just remember having dyed fingertips. And, yes. Um, we, my grandmother would send, Yeah, that oh, the smell. vinegar, the oh, vinegar yeah, yeah. that would never leave you. Um, <laughs> the, exactly. My grandmother used to send us these hand-painted Easter eggs, the plastic Easter eggs, and remember one had like a Snow White scene on it, but those were always our special prize eggs during the Easter egg hunt. Yeah. So uh, yeah, just uh, now as an adult, um, getting up with the sunrise and uh, playing a little Cat Stevens. Uh, <laughs> nice, okay. Morning has broken and and um, and meditating on Easter morning, you know, I love all the other traditions, but that quiet time on Easter yeah. morning is really special. Yeah, it, and we'll talk about the. We will get to talk about the resurrection here in just a minute, but that's actually the one event not recorded in the Bible is the resurrection itself. We mm-hmm. we get the reports of the resurrection, but we don't know what happened when Jesus came out of the tomb. It's it, we don't know, but that that moment of silence mm-hmm. as dawn breaks is is especially sweet, especially before Easter morning. Dave. All right, so my favorite Easter tradition, uh, when I was a kid every year, the McPherson clan, that would be my great-grandparents, the Baws, the, my grandparents, my dad's parents, the McPhersons, and all of his siblings and our cousins would all get together at my grandpa's house, Grandpa Mac, after church, and we'd have a ham, just a traditional Easter meal. After that, we'd do an egg hunt. The funnest part of the day wasn't even the egg hunt. For me, it was just hanging out with the cousins, getting to hang out with people. Go figure. Marissa's favorite thing is to be more contemplative mm-hmm. and hang out alone, just watching the sunrise. I love to be around people. There you go. Extroverts, extrovert. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> well, or for us, and, and by the way, if you're listening to this and, and you get this sound right here, nothing's wrong with your speakers. I'm just wearing a, a really 
weird like yeah. jacket here and it's making a lot of noise. Cool. So I will... ASMR. We'll do a... What's that? What's ASMR? Oh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> now, now I'm curious. Okay, so so I'll try we try... Google that? Is it Google appropriate? It's Google appropriate. No, Google away. <laughs> so, so for us, I'll, I'll mention... Um, you know, we have... <laughs> Dave's Googling. <laughs> I'm Googling what, what, right Dave, now, yes. Dave is Googling. Joe Google. Nosotros um, <laughs> Googleamos. We had uh, baskets for the kids growing up, these little fuzzy baskets that were real cute when they were little. Well, they're, they're nostalgic now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we put them on the fireplace, and they're already on our fireplace right now, you know, each one of their baskets. Um, but now that we have in-laws coming in, son-in-law and daughter-in-law, they're like, where's our basket? So this year we bought them their own fuzzy baskets. Ah, so nice. they're they're adding to it. So yes. reminiscent of stockings. You know, <clears throat> you know exactly you're part right. of the family when you get the Easter basket that, or a stocking. It, <laughs> exactly. So what is ASMR? Autonomous sensory meridian responses. It's what? a term used to describe the tingling, static-like, or goosebumps sensation in response to specific triggering audio or visual stimuli, according to Google. Why not just say goosebumps? <laughs> there you go. But it's it's but it's it's the response because of some audio stimuli. So. Thank you, Brad. Ain't nothing a country boy that he can't hack. <laughs> All right, get too complicated. I'm just saying. So let's uh, let's talk about the thing that really should give us goosebumps: the resurrection. This is Easter Sunday. Teachers, um, we're, we're actually I'm going to be teaching from. Mark 16, which is the shortest of the resurrection accounts, and the most confusing, actually. I don't think I've ever taught from Mark's account on Easter, just yeah, because deep it's cuts. rather... It's, it's B-sides it, of resurrection It's stories. a deep cut, that's <laughs> right. Um, and the pastor's cut is going to be from Luke 24, so we just decided to each choose our favorite resurrection passage to discuss, since we do have not four, but Dave is going to remind us five resurrection passages. So, mm-hmm. uh, Dave, since I... Since I tipped it that way, why don't you lead off? So there are five accounts. Not only do we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but Acts. The beginning of Acts gives us another picture of Jesus in the middle and post-resurrection and and what happens there. And so as we were bantering before we started recording, trying to think through what are we going to talk about, I chose Acts. I actually decided to stop outside of the box uh, from the four Gospels. So Luke part two, Acts, as Jesus is teaching the disciples for 40 days after the resurrection, he talks about the kingdom of God, which is a whole fascinating conversation that I'd love to know what all he was teaching about the kingdom of God. He ends the conversation before he ascends into heaven talking about the Holy Spirit. He says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will, be my, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus ascends into heaven, but then throughout Acts from that point forward, you see the Holy Spirit empowering believers. And once believers have an encounter with God through prayer, after prayer, they start sharing the gospel and more people come to faith in Jesus, which sets us up for a paradigm post-resurrection, we get to experience God's presence personally in our lives, and God's presence wants to not just have us soak that in for ourselves, but to empower us so that people far from God can know the same hope that we've come to know and experience. That's right. So prayer plus power from the Holy Spirit brings about world change. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I want you to keep this in perspective that you know the, the Christian band started with about 120 people, and three centuries later, it had conquered an empire. I mean, it, it, it upended everything, mm-hmm. and that's what prayer and God's power would do. Now, I do like to speculate a bit about when Jesus taught about the kingdom, what, uh, what was he teaching? I think 
uh, he went back and retaught many of the things in the gospel, his parables. Now, with the, because so many of his parables were kingdom parables, and I think he retaught them now in a fuller mm-hmm. light. Um, mm. So I think what, what we have in the gospels is what Jesus actually taught, part one, but like Acts part two. Mm-hmm. So now here's a fuller understanding of God's reign and God's rule. Right. And if we're really curious about what he mm-hmm. taught the disciples in those weeks, um, we have the epistles, we have the letters. Yes. So that fuller understanding that they gained from those teachings being rehashed and um, fully revealed, we learn about in the epistles. That's where we get a lot of our doctrine, our theology. That's right. Mm-hmm. So Dave chose Acts. I chose Luke. And by the way, it, you know, Luke wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And volume-wise, Luke more, wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else. We have two books, but if you do it just a strict word count. And I love that, that resurrection scene where Jesus is on the road to Emmaus with his disciples. Mm-hmm. And I think because I am more contemplative, there's just several things here that, um, that, that catch me, that, that Jesus, they, Jesus was walking with them and they were unaware of it because he had somehow disguised his appearance. And remember that, that Jesus uh, is walking with us many times even when we don't know it, and especially when we don't know it. He is there. Um, and, and Jesus, you know, he, he addresses their hearts. Their hearts are troubled when he incur- in, first encounters them. And then by the end, they say, were not our hearts strangely warmed? Mm-hmm. And spending time with Jesus has a way. In fact, I think you know if you're walking with Jesus or not, is your heart getting harder or is your heart getting softer and warmer? That's what happens when we spend time with Jesus. So I think it's possible to have all of our doctrine perfectly in line, but our hearts still be cold. We spend time with Jesus, our hearts are strangely warm. So that's the Emmaus encounter. Uh, I just like it because it's very personal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these two disciples, we don't even really know much about them, but that they walked with Jesus. So any comments on, on Luke 24? Yeah, I mean, the Emmaus story is really powerful in that... Um, too, that Jerusalem was a place where the Jewish people went to go encounter God. This is the center of their um, relationship with God, and it had become a place of pain for them and crisis and trauma. And so they were walking away from that place, maybe wondering if they could ever get that sense of closeness with God and again. And Jesus meets them there as they're walking away from uh, religion, as they're walking away from where they, they once felt comfort and peace and intimacy with God, he meets them there and shows them true intimacy. I really like the Emmaus story. I do too. The next time I go to Israel, I've been now, you know, three times, I'm going to walk the road to Emmaus. Mm. I'm going to get away from the group for a day and just walk it. Because you you stop a pilgrimage road you can take. Mm. Have you ever done that? I haven't, no. Okay. Well, let's go. Let's, the let's three do of it. Us. Okay. If you go by yourself, podcast we'll give you an air tag for your pocket. Yeah. We can, we can, we can all three go and walk we'll the road do a to podcast, Emmaus. Yeah. podcast on the walk to Emmaus. Done, yeah. done, done, done. David, you were about to say something. So, I, yeah, I love that that passage as well. Looking at how Jesus, while they, while he was disguised, they didn't recognize who he was. He went back through all of Scripture, went back through all of the teachings, probably that he'd revealed to them before, and yep. and proved that. He was the Messiah, that there was a need for a Messiah to die and rise from the dead. And so he he started setting up the stage for what it would look like for the Messiah to be the suffering servant and not for the Messiah to be this conquering king that, that they all expected. Yeah. And and as you want to know exactly what Jesus taught when he taught about the kingdom, I wish I had a text of what he taught on the road to Emmaus. And again, yeah, I, think no we, doubt. I think we have much of that, but how he used the Older Testament to, see, to say, see, it points all to me. Mm-hmm. I think we have that preserved in the letters, 
but I think there's probably more there that we oh yeah we don't yes. get yet yeah. So Marissa chose Mark, and mostly because that's what I'll be preaching from. So she did a study specific. I don't know if this is your favorite no, passage. No, John 20. John okay. 20 for sure. But, yeah. uh, well, well, but nothing is, wrong with Mark 16. Why, why is John your favorite? Um, John 20, just the movement of it. It's so uh, visceral and embodied and the running back and forth. Um, the encounters that were so intimate and personal with, with Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene, and with Peter and with Thomas, where Jesus meets them exactly where they need him to be. Um, whatever... Uh, he can do to comfort them and bring them peace in that moment. If you need, if you need to touch me, touch me. Um, if you need reassurance that you're forgiven and I still love you, I'll give you that. You know. Um, so I love John 20. Just, if, I mean, if you just need a a, a good story, mm. John 20 is it. Well, and I like it too because it's it's um, for men. It's often humbling because the first evangelist was not Peter. It was Mary. It was mm-hmm. Mary, and and mm-hmm. she actually is mentioned in Mark. So let's. Let's jump in there. And by the way, you know how I feel. God can use anyone he chooses any, any way he pleases. Uh, so, so let's go to Mark 16. And this is, uh, what do you call it, a, the deep cut? This yeah, is, this yeah. Is, it's, the, it's the resurrection B-side. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's challenging. So, so this is a challenging text. So Marissa, since you probably spent more time preparing for this, I've not started writing the sermon yet. Boy, I really need to get on that. Um, You're living on the edge these days. I am living on the edge. <laughs> I've, I'm completely changing my preparation style and pattern. That'll be a conversation for another time. But um, it's, I'm, I'm calling it my either my Beatles or my, my Madonna moment. You know how the Beatles and Madonna just reinvented themselves every five years or so. It's mm. kind of what I'm doing right now. Yeah, yeah. I think I want to be associated with the Beatles more than Madonna. Well, I was. Yeah. It, there's a point where you need to say, okay, we need to stop reinventing. I think Madonna's at that point. I, uh, Maybe uh, a few uh, a few reincarnations. You know, uh, she's coming. <laughs> she's coming to Tulsa this year. We could all go. Would y'all rather go to Emmaus or go to the Madonna concert? Emmaus. Does that question even need an answer? I'm kind of halfway between the two. I don't know. Wow. And she I'm is, just kidding. She is a a shadow of her former self. <laughs> All right, so somebody just got a notification on their phone. Who knows who that is? All right, so let's let's jump into Mark. Marissa, take us there. All right, would you like me to read through the scripture? Uh, why don't you read through it? Yeah, and and I tell you what, just read through the first eight verses. Okay. And and we we might comment on the latter half here in just a moment. Let's focus on the original ending of Mark. All right. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus's body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. I'd have to look at Mark's uh, text here. I didn't, but I, I wonder if that very last word of the gospel is afraid. That's, that's kind of an anticlimactic way of ending the gospel, and Dave's, Dave's looking it up. Of course <laughs> um, it, But it, it's almost just kind of a flat ending, and you wonder why Mark did it, ended his gospel this way. Now, if you're looking at the text, there's more to it, and we'll discuss that in a moment. But Marissa, what, what do you take away from this original ending of Mark? Well, I think it is unlikely that he ended it so abruptly. I think that we have maybe lost the ending of the original gospel of Mark. Um, but um, 
the the truth of nine through twenty is still there. Yeah. Um, it wasn't something that was um, unfaithful to the other gospels. It was just we've we've lost something. Let's let's put it back in. <laughs> right. But the early Christians did see this as as gospel, as as truth, and and uh, we can definitely weigh it against the other scriptures and see that that that's accurate and true. Yeah, the longer ending, and I and I will friend in a friendly way disagree. I think this is the ending of Mark as we had it, um, it but then that somewhere along the way a scribe needed to say, man, we need to give this a softer landing. And by, <laughs> by the way, I don't mind. You know, we don't no, mind disagreeing no, yeah, with one another. Yeah, uh, because there we is not a single biblical scholar who agrees on this part. We don't <laughs> yeah, know. that's for sure. <laughs> but I could see a scribe coming along and say, man, we just need to soften this landing just a little bit. Um, and so they, they pulled some things together that, that is scriptural. It is in other gospels. There's no new material here, but just the earliest manuscripts of mm-hmm. Mark don't include it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we make of this account? Boy, that's a broad question, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I- I love that it leaves you hanging, that the story isn't finished, because so much of the story of our walks with Jesus is that we're not yet complete, we're not yet made mature, we're in process, and so you see a story that is still in process that isn't answered, but in the middle of not being answered, we're presented with an empty tomb, and we're presented with the core of the gospel, that Jesus died and was buried, but he is alive, he rose from the dead, and you will encounter him again, and you're supposed to go and tell other people about that. So in the middle of the story is, is still this message, Jesus died, it means something for you, go tell. Yeah, and, and I, think, I, I think you're exactly right. It's, it's now, I almost feel like this is the ending of the book of Jonah in many ways, mm. because Jonah mm. ends with just kind of a lot of loose ends, and the idea there is maybe this story is about Jonah, yes, but it's also about you, what mm-hmm. will your response be? Mm-hmm. And I look at the words in, in verse 8, trembling, bewildered fled, afraid. That is so much of the world we live in right now. Mm. Aside from Jesus, we're trembling, we're bewildered, we're always on the run, we're afraid. Um, We can choose to live that way or take into factor, take into light the resurrection, how it can change everything Mm -hmm. and change the way we live and the way we can live from this day forward. So will we choose to stay this way or will we choose to change in light of the resurrection of Mm -hmm. Jesus? I'm looking at Marissa. Yeah, you want to go? Go. (laughs) All right. Well, there are three responses to the death of Jesus, and we see those in all the accounts that we mentioned earlier with, uh, you know, some easily slipped back into the life they knew before Jesus. They went back to fishing. They began their journey back to home, wherever that was, whether it was Emmaus or another small town. Um, Some hid, some bunkered down and um, out of fear and despair, you know, Jesus was executed. Could I be next? Um, and uh, just not knowing what to do now because they had spent so much of their time with Jesus dictating their every movement, um, and, and now he was gone. What would they do next? Their dream was shattered, plans destroyed, but some refused to leave his side, and that was John and the women in grief and mourning. Uh, you know, Those who were forgiven of much loved much, yeah. um, and uh, because their lives had been so profoundly changed, they couldn't go back. To where they were before. They couldn't pick up the pieces in the same way like the fishermen did. And the women were in this camp. Christ was the one who finally saw past their gender and saw them for the image bearers and, and uh, that they were and the co-heirs that they were. And so Mary Magdalene and the other women, like you've said before, Darren, they just did the next right thing. And that was to anoint the body of Christ. So just imagining how dark 
sundown Friday was to sunrise on Sunday and how all of them were in so much pain. Not only had their friend died, but their dreams had died with him and everything that they had had lived for died on that day. Um, so we have, um, you know, Mary Magdalene and the other women um, proving themselves to be the most devoted followers of Jesus in this moment, that they cared for him during his life. You know, they sustained his ministry financially and, and helped care for uh, and minister to the disciples. And then they were by his side, bearing his burdens through life and unto his death. And um, for this reason, they were the first to be rewarded with the peace and the hope and the joy of Easter. Um, that uh, uh, they were, um, you know, this this man who had been everything to them was everything and more. Mm-hmm. And what a gift that was because they were in the place that they were supposed to be. Um, they came to anoint a dead body, not to celebrate a risen Savior. They came expecting more pain. Um, they expected solemnity and lament and weeping. Um, and they went, went anyway um, because doing the right thing is hard. Um, maybe not physically, but emotionally and spiritually, but it's sacred and beautiful and necessary. I hope you just heard what Marissa said, that doing doing the right thing is often the most costly thing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But I would say that caring for others at their lowest point, though it's really, really hard work, is also really beautiful work. And it's in those moments when you have surprising moments of joy and intimacy that you experience when bearing other burdens that you wouldn't have um, been able to experience if you had remained ignorant or hadn't done um, what you were supposed to do. So, so let's let's talk just briefly um, because the, for the curious minds at home, this this longer ending to Mark, uh, I want to reiterate. Uh, just I think the original ends in verse eight. Marissa disagrees, but hey, if she wants to be wrong about that, she can. Be I just wrong. think it's an interesting idea. It's, it is an interesting <laughs> idea because if for this sure. was, if this was on a scroll, there could be part of that scroll that was compromised in the original ending. We, we just don't know. Yes. Mm-hmm. What, whatever it is, it was as God intended. There yes, you go. That's it, right. It has been handed down yeah. to us, and, and clearly God wanted it preserved as our copy of Mark. Yes. So somewhere along the way, a scribe, very early on, as a matter of fact, said, you know, we want to soften this ending just a bit. And so he includes uh, a brief snippet of Mary Magdalene, which shows up in the Gospel of John. Uh, he includes, starting in verse 12, the two on the road to Emmaus. Uh, and then he goes to, to Jesus giving the Great Commission, which we have in Matthew. So, so everything that's here is very biblical. It just probably wasn't a part of the original text. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, I read it as fact mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. as truth and as reality. Uh, but I just I know the textual criticism part of that, and it doesn't bother my faith no. at all. So, yeah. um, so if... If we were teaching this, if you're teaching a small group on Easter Sunday for our leaders, what's one thing you would want to drive home? What's the most important thing? If I'm, if I'm teaching this on, on Easter Sunday, you give me a piece of advice. It's Easter Sunday. What's the main point? We'll, we'll edit out the stark silence. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're chewing on it because you didn't yeah. give us that question ahead well, of time. Well, I, I love... Um, the way that Mark puts how the stone was rolled away. Um, Jesus didn't need the stone to be rolled away, but he did that in order to reveal to us that he was alive. So God doesn't, uh, you know, he does this all the time. He doesn't need us. Uh, He can go about his work without us knowing, without our involvement, and yet he wants us to be part of his redemptive story, that he wants us to join him in the work. So he rolls the stone back to reveal his working. 
um, to give us a glimpse at his wonder in inviting us in. And all of this passage is about invitation. Uh, you know, the women were told to go back and tell Peter and the disciples so that they would meet with Jesus as well. It was invitation. It was grace. Um, so that's what the, the, the commission is, is an invitation to be part of God's larger story. That's it. I hope, I hope you heard that. And, and teachers, um, I'll just I'll, uh, paraphrase what Marissa just said, that the tomb's not only empty, it's open. Mm-hmm. Hang on. Present that very clearly. Dave? I, I've really been chewing on you know, the last few hours as I, I've been looking at Mark 16, this idea that what appears to be the end and finality isn't, and, and when there's an open ending or things are left loose, God is still at work. You don't have to have all the pieces figured out to know that God is at work. The Mary and, and the other women that were there, they didn't necessarily have all the pieces. They saw an angel. They didn't see Jesus. But they heard enough to know that Jesus was indeed risen from the dead, mm-hmm. and that impacted them. We don't have to physically see Jesus face-to-face to know that Jesus died and rose from the dead, that he came to conquer sin and brokenness in our lives and give us new life if we choose to look at him and follow him. And our life might be a mess today, but that doesn't mean that God isn't at work in our lives, and he's in the process of bringing restoration and healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's the power of, uh, of the Easter message and the power of this passage. Yeah, and it's all about new things are happening, yes. right? And when uh, he, the angel says, you know, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, he's using, you know, that is not an honorific, <laughs> you no. know, yeah. who was crucified. That was, you know, a moment of shame mm-hmm. um, and death and pain. Um, but that has passed, uh, and this is a new day. New things are happening. Jesus mm-hmm. was crucified, but now he's risen. He was Jesus Nazarene, but you know he didn't regain life like Lazarus or, or like the other uh, people in the Bible that we've read about who've been brought back to life. He was brought back in glory, victorious over death, and is a mm-hmm. new new thing. You know, everything that was mortal has fallen away. So uh, uh, it, it's not the same as before. Resurrection is, you know. It's a new day. Yes. That's right. And, and so I'll, I'll paraphrase that discussion and say, you know, as, as teachers, we need to hear the tomb is empty, it's also open. We also need to hear death is often the doorway to new life. And you're, you're going to have people in your community groups that they have faced tragedy and, and disappointment and even death in the resurrection. There is a new beginning. What I would make sure to point out is how the infinite God is intimate. And we see that in all of the four or according to Dave, five resurrection passages <laughs> that, uh, you know, Jesus does walk on the road. Of all the things he could be doing, he walks with these two disciples on the Emmaus Road. When he comes out of the tomb, one of his first words is Mary. And so here we have this infinite God who is infinitely personal with us, mm-hmm. and the resurrection matters not only to the cosmos, but to us as individuals. Okay, any last thing y'all are just dying to say? And as teachers, I would encourage you to think through, and, and we're not going to edit out that moment of silence, because mm-hmm. I, I do like... It's worthwhile. It, it's worthwhile. <laughs> I want you as a teacher to think, what is the key thing I need, knowing my community, what is the one thing I really need to drive home about the resurrection account? You've heard our input. Now add to that your own, and, and maybe spend some time in silence before the Lord discerning that. Uh, any last thoughts? Any last things? I'll go ahead and share this. So I, I've been, I was thinking on my way over here, if I were to preach this message, where would I begin? Where would I end? When I was 18 years old, on Easter Sunday, my dad went to the emergency room. 
he had appendicitis. He was up all night. He didn't know what was going on. I actually didn't even know he went to the emergency room until after I was at church. I, I asked around, where my, my dad isn't at church. He's usually here by now. And called my mom, and mom said, oh, yeah, he went to the emergency room in the middle of the night. He wasn't doing well. And, oh, I'm going there now because they're operating on him. Mm. Um, his appendix burst on the operating table. He nearly died there. Five days later, he nearly died of an infection. Two months later, he nearly died because of another infection, because of some other stuff that was going on. They found cancer, but they were able to remove that cancer. He's still alive today. What appeared to be the end multiple times wasn't the end. God was still doing stuff, and God is still doing stuff inside of us. And so I, I would begin with that story and then land on maybe your story is you're, you're filled with uncertainty in the middle of today, in the middle of this moment. God wants to intervene and break through in your life, and God is knocking on the door saying, while everything might not be made perfect right now in this moment, you start saying yes to Jesus, he's going to start the process of making you whole. That's exactly right. Teachers, drive that home, and let's celebrate this Easter. And I know I normally end with our blessing, but let's change it just a little bit. He is risen. He is risen, he is risen, indeed. risen indeed. God bless you.